God, in His foreknowledge, is working out a plan for you. Hear all about it as you join us for Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. You've probably met a few so-called know-it-alls. You know, the type of person who has an answer for everything, even when they don't know what they're talking about. While we certainly don't know everything, God does. And today on Abounding Grace, we'll observe God's purposeful plan for each of us. Pastor Ed Taylor is talking about God's foreknowledge through a study of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8.28, we spent a couple weeks on it because what an encouragement it is to learn that nothing's wasted by God. That God uses all the things in our lives, good and bad, sweet and sour. He works them together for the good. Look at verse 28, Romans 8. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those that are called according to His purpose. His purpose is found in verse 29. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. That is the work of God in every believer's life. When you and I were born again, the work of conforming into the image of Jesus Christ began. And it's an ongoing work. Shaving away this, adding that, taking this away, moving this, cleaning this part up, checking your heart over here, all to... Well, to live that life and dwell by His Spirit that reflects Jesus Christ. It's not a work you can do on your own. You can't just take a Bible and say, Oh, I'm going I'm to do that, Pastor Ed. I'm going to take all those things and I'm going to work hard for God. Jesus would say, Hey, abide in me and I in you. And the works that I do, you'll do greater works. That's encouraging. I mean, that's the work in your life. Right? You may not see it. It may not be happening as fast as you would like it. But God is at work in your life using everything in your life to conform you. You know, Paul uses a similar word in chapter 12 of Romans. Flip over there, will you? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He uses the word conform. He also uses the word transform. But he uses it in a different way. He says in verse 1, Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. So there are pressures in this world to conform you into this system of the world. Do you know that there are waves and winds of doctrine flowing through the church? It's not just the world. We use the world sometimes to reflect what's going on in the world, the world system. That's, that's great. But you know, there's a Christian world too. There's a Christian world with magazines and news articles and internet sites that's always trying to pressure you into a certain mold, into a certain direction. It's amazing because as a pastor, I read stuff all the time. Paul says here, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does your mind be renewed? But by the washing of God's word, the water of his word. But I'll tell you what, there are winds of things coming through the church today that would say that, oh, the age of Bible study is over. 
I mean, I know it was good for Jesus in the first century, but it's over today. Because people really don't want to come to church and sit through a Bible study. They don't want to sit through a 30-minute Bible study. They don't want to sit through a 60-minute Bible study. You know what you need to do is do away with the Bible studies and tell a bunch of sweet little stories. That's what you should do. Have a guy up on the stage painting a little picture and have a guy over here doing a little dance and, and tell a bunch of stories. And by the time you leave, you might be a little bit closer to God. No. No. Isn't that sad? Do you know there's a whole wave of the church buying into that today? Leaving God's word? That sounds like the enemy to me. To get the word of God out of your hands. I mean, hey, you have to endure sound doctrine, right? It's going to take some endurance. That's why we bought extra foam for you in those chairs. There needs to be some endurance. You got to steady on. You'll get a 30-minute Bible study occasionally, once every couple years, or an hour Bible study. Because the Word of God will change your life. Nothing else is going to change your life. It's God's Word. And with the pressures of this world, you've got to be careful because there's pressures in the church today too. To be careful what you're reading. Did you know, church, that just because a book is a bestseller and a Christian wrote it doesn't mean that it's worth your time? It doesn't mean that that's something that's going to be profitable for you. Something that takes you out of God's word. That's why you need your own Bible. You, you need to be able to use it. You need to be able to compare scripture with scripture and not believe everything that you hear, including from this pulpit. You test everything that you hear in this place by God's word. What you hear on the radio by God's word. You and I need to be very, very handy with the word of God so that we can test the things that we hear and the things that we see because there's all sorts of pressures trying to conform us, but God is working to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's his work in our lives. And so you want to be very, very careful. You want to make sure that the word of God is what you're clinging to, that you know it for yourself, that you own it and it's flowing through you because you're a new creation in Christ. You have new appetites, new desires now. I mean, there's a streak in you now of desiring to obey God that before Jesus Christ, you simply, I simply did not have. I had no desire to obey God. I had no desire to hear from God. But in Jesus Christ, though, my desires have changed. And now I measure everything by, will this please God? I mean, is this really from him? Is this really his desire for my life? Or did I just pick it up somewhere? And now it influenced me, and now I'm going to run with that direction. But am I really focusing my life with the lens of Jesus Christ? Is that how I look at the world? Or are there other people, Christian or non-Christian, influencing me? I want to hear from heaven. You see, back in Romans chapter 8, as God is working all things together for the good, he has a plan. It's not haphazard. There's a plan involved. As he works things together, we, we need to know the God who is taking all things and working them together. This plan of salvation in our life, we're going to learn in the coming weeks. In verse 29, we're going to learn about his foreknowledge. Notice, for whom he foreknew. Then the next subject that we're going to tackle is predestination. And we're going to look at how God, he predestines. It's awesome doctrine, nothing to be afraid of. To be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And we're going to look at that as well. And whom he called, these he also justified. And he whom he justified, these he also glorified. A beautiful, beautiful plan of salvation that God is working through our lives. They help us to understand how God molds and how God shapes. And what we want to tackle today is God's foreknowledge. 
God's foreknowledge, for whom he foreknew, Paul says. This speaks of God's omniscience. Those of you that have been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at the character of God. We've been looking at the Trinity as it comes up throughout John's gospel. And we spent that whole night, remember, on God the Father. And one of the attributes we looked at was his omniscience. It's a fancy word that simply means that God knows everything. There isn't anything that God doesn't know. He knows any, everything about everything. His omniscience, his foreknowledge. It could be put another way. Theologically, we'd say that God knows all things, both actual and possible, past and present, future, completely, perfectly, simultaneously, and eternally. That's your God. That's his knowledge. We don't have foreknowledge. Wouldn't that be cool to have foreknowledge? We don't have foreknowledge. Otherwise, we could make a killing in the stock market, right? Man, we just go in and boom, I'll buy sale right at the right time. But we don't have foreknowledge. And that's what trips us up. We don't see today the big picture. Because we don't know everything. Now, some of you might meet some people that pretend to know everything, but they don't know everything. We don't know everything, but God does. It'd be great to have knowledge like that. And when we pray, we tap into God's foreknowledge, to his omniscience. Only God knows. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 4. We kind of walk through Hebrews chapter 4. God's omniscience, his foreknowledge. He knows all things. Powerful to know that God can see the big picture in your life. He can see. You don't see it all the time. I don't see it all the time. But God does. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. God is all-knowing. Draw your attention to verse 13. The Bible says that there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I mean, there's nothing hidden from God. There are no shadows with God. There's not high. You can hide things from man. You can hide things from friends. But you can't hide things from God. Everything's open before. Right now, your heart is an open book to God. He's searching and looking. And there's nothing hidden. Your attitudes, your sarcasm, your bad attitudes, your, the things that you're harboring, the, none of that's hidden. It might be hidden from us, but it's not hidden from him. That's why it doesn't make any sense to, to put on Sunday best for Sunday services. Just put on your regular, okay? And I'm not talking about clothes either. I'm talking about your life. Don't polish it up and go, oh, I'm a, I'm a great Christian throughout the week, when in reality you know, you know that you're not. And just be yourself and allow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows. So we put up these walls and we put up these polished facades and, and we don't allow people to minister to us because everything's great. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. No, you're not. At least some of you. I mean, serious things are happening right now. Serious thoughts. Great pains. And you're not here to impress man or each other. Everything in your life is open before the Lord. All of it. It's okay not to have everything together. It's okay to really wrestle with things. It's not okay to live in disobedience. It's not okay to walk around with a bad attitude and be sarcastic all the time. Just bumming people out instead of leading them to Jesus. But laying that at the foot of the cross, not, God's not hidden. It's not hidden from God. He sees it all. There's no shadows, no secrets. You know, I have to, at this point, 
lay before you as a congregation in relation to omniscience and foreknowledge that there is a very twisted doctrine flowing through the church today. You'll hear it on radio stations here in Denver. You'll hear it uh, as you're reading different books on theology. It's a system of thought called open theism. Or you might hear it called the openness of God. Or another way you might hear it described as the freedom or the free will of God. And this is a doctrine that flies right in the face of the clear teachings of Scripture. What the doctrine says is that God really doesn't know everything. He's learning things just like you and me. Man, that would not be a good thing if God didn't know everything. Like he's learning them with me. Hey, God, let's find this one out together. Oh, Ed, I had no idea. I would scare me to death. What do you mean you had no idea? You're my rock. <laughs> I mean, you're the one that I run into for safety and help, and you're finding out with me? Bad news, but it's very popular today. And one of the places they'll take you, I need to teach you something today. Go back to Genesis chapter 22. They're going to take you to this passage, among others, but this is their most popular one. Look at Genesis chapter 22. It's a very familiar story. As Abraham is taking his son to sacrifice, the son of promise. Look at Genesis chapter 22. Open theism. You want to reject it. It flies right in the face of the clear teaching of God's omniscience, of God's foreknowledge, of God knowing all things that there are to know, both possible and actual. God knows. You can trust God. He's not finding things out like you are. He knows. What a glorious doctrine. But they'll take you here and they'll tell you, go look at verse 9. And so you go to verse 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham, verse 10, stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad nor do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And of course the words are now I know. That's what they focus on as if there was a lack of knowledge. But let me show you, there was no lack of knowledge with God whatsoever. It goes back to chapter 21. I mean, we see the big picture but back in 21 God knew his plan for Isaac the promised seed he knew his plan for Abraham I mean it starts right right away look at verse 1 of chapter 21 and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken sounds like God knew in advance what would happen amen can you see that I just want to make sure verse 2 for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. None of this, oh, God didn't really know, and he's kind of finding out. This was God's plan. He knew ahead of time all that would happen. And you say, okay, then why would it say, now I know? Let me take you back to second grade, okay? Second grade with you second grade teachers. You got a little kiddo there, and he's having wrestling, and he's struggling with square roots. And so he gets to the place on his page where he says, I don't know what the square root of 64 is. And as a teacher, you come alongside and you say, okay, okay, Johnny, let's figure out, let's find out together what the square root of 64 is. And you kind of lay it out and show him how to figure it out. And as he's figuring out, he's wrestling with it. But you as the teacher, you already know, at least teacher, you should know, you already know what the answer is. And as little Johnny's working it out, he's wrestling with it, he's breaking his pencil and getting mad. He finally comes and he goes, oh, oh, teacher, oh, it's eight. I figured it out. It's eight. And the teacher, as you as the teacher come along and say, oh, now we know what the square root of 64 is. You're not saying as new knowledge. You're simply coming alongside a young guy that was wrestling with the whole process. And now that he knows, you're coming along to encourage that we know. 
See, God knew all along. By the time chapter 22 comes with Genesis, he knows now by demonstration. But God knew in his foreknowledge long before that. We know that this was a test. It wasn't a test for God. It was a test for Abraham. God knew all along what would happen. It was in his plan. This doctrine of open theism, this twisted, false doctrine needs to be rejected. God clearly and absolutely is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows everything there is to know, both actual and possible, past and present, future. He knows it completely. He knows it perfectly. He knows simultaneously and eternally. Foreknowledge is pretty amazing, isn't it? But they're not going to be done with you. They're going to come along and say, well, this omniscience and omnipotence is really just a doctrine that the Greeks developed. It's really Greek thought. Really? Flip over to Psalm 147. Let me show you. It has nothing to do with the Greeks whatsoever. Omniscience is the doctrine of God. He revealed to us himself through the Hebrew writers what omniscience looks like. Look at Psalm 147. The foreknowledge of God. It makes sense that it would be undermined. It makes sense that we would have to come to that place. Well, maybe God doesn't fully understand, but he does understand. That's what makes Romans chapter 8, 28 such a blessing. That we know that we know that God's working all things together for the good. We know that. Look at Psalm 147. I should get there with you. Psalm 147. I'll draw your attention to verse 5. This isn't just some New Testament doctrine. This is the revelation of God. He has revealed himself as a God with omniscience, foreknowledge. Look at verse 5. It says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is what? Infinite. That's pretty huge. Infinite. I mean, that's that's mind-blowing right there. God's understanding is infinite. Infinite. He knows everything about everything. He doesn't learn anything. His knowledge is absolute. His knowledge is unacquired. Now flip backwards to the left to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Not only is his understanding infinite, let's see this characteristics here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. See, Paul, when he's writing in Romans chapter 8, he's letting you know, hey, listen, I know not everything feels good. I know not everything is what you would desire, but your God in foreknowledge is working out a plan for you. And although the things that have happened in your life might have rocked you and shocked you, they haven't rocked God. He's not surprised and taken aback. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of what? Knowledge. And by him, actions are way. God is a God of knowledge. He never lures anything. He knows everything there is to know about everything. In Jeremiah, you can jot this one down, chapter 17, verse 10. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. And I even give to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Jot this one down, Acts chapter 1, verse 24. I'll read it to you. It says, and they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all. You know the hearts of all. This is so powerful and so powerful and comforting that our God who knows all things is able to fulfill his purpose through everything that comes into our lives and work all things together for our good and his good, his glory and our glorying in him. Now turn over to Psalm 139. This is the revelation of God. This is where he's shown himself. He is omniscient, all-knowing, and he possesses infinite knowledge, foreknowledge. We don't have foreknowledge. That's one of our problems. We don't have foreknowledge. That's why we jump to conclusions. 
Have you ever jumped to a wrong conclusion? We jump to conclusions all the time, and usually they're wrong conclusions. Instead of waiting on the Lord, we believe one side of the story. I told you to, to open where? Psalm 139? Hold that. Go back to Proverbs chapter 18. I told you you're going to be turning today. So turn back. Get your fingers warmed up. Proverbs chapter 18. This is one of the problems that we have as believers, as human beings. It's really a disobedience issue as well, that we believe one side of the story. And the Bible says it's not wise to believe one side of the story. So we have somebody, they plead their case to us, and we go, oh, no, that's the way it is, and that's the way it should be. And then you start making up your mind instead of waiting on the Lord. Look at Proverbs chapter 18. Look at verse 17. Jot this one down, church. It'll save you a lot of grief. It'll save you a lot of difficulty. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the first one to plead his cause seems right. Right? Isn't that true? So you get the whole story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My spirit bears witness with your spirit. Until... His neighbor comes and examines him until you hear the other side, until you start hearing both sides of the story. And then, you know, as you're waiting, see, instead of jumping to a conclusion when you hear one side of the story, what we should really be doing is praying. Wouldn't you agree? Why would it be important for us to pray but to hear from the God who knows all things? As you're praying and seeking God's wisdom and understanding, he may just drop into your heart the information and the direction and the passages of scripture and the comfort and the encouragement that you need as you navigate through this difficult time. See, Satan is very slick. He's very sly. I mean, he, he is very, very smart in his ability to destroy families and to destroy churches and to destroy friendships. And he has basically one tool that's wrapped with many others. The one tool is division. And the way division happens is you only hear one side of the story. It kind of leans the way you were feeling. And then instead of listening to God and praying through it and hearing the other side, oh, you made up your mind, it's over. But now the enemy's won. He's already won there. See, if we had foreknowledge, we wouldn't need to do any of that, right? Because by the time somebody comes with their story, they go, no, that ain't true. You're biased. How did you know? I've got foreknowledge, bro. <laughs> that would be cool. But we don't have that. We need to tap into, through prayer, the God of all-knowing. The God with infinite knowledge. We need to be careful, just in a very practical way, to listen to both sides. To hear both sides. You know, one of the ways that you can find out really, really quickly whether one side of the story is correct or not, the first side... It's just to have, you know, most of us have cell phones. Just take your cell phone out and say, really, such and such and -and so-and-so, let's call them up and let's go meet. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I can meet with Oh, okay, really. So you're just going to slander and gossip and tear them down, but you don't want to meet them (laughs) face-to-face. I mean, wouldn't the church be more pure if we did that? I mean, wouldn't we not have so much backstabbing and junk that, happens among believers that gives a bad taste to unbelievers i mean that's really what it's all about the the taste that unbelievers have of the church jesus said that they will know that you're my disciples by your backstabbing no of course he didn't say that by your love for one another and love gives the benefit of the doubt to someone love doesn't make up their mind before you hear both sides of the story if we had foreknowledge it wouldn't be that big a deal but we don't have foreknowledge We need to wait on the Lord to hear the whole picture and let God make up our mind. I mean, even at that point, you got to be careful that once you hear both stories, that you don't come to the wrong conclusions. We'll break away right here and save the rest for tomorrow. Pastor Ed Taylor's message, God's Purposeful Plan for You. 
God's foreknowledge can be heard again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And this is Abounding Grace. Did you know we also have a podcast? Whether you're into Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or Stitcher, you can listen to Abounding Grace by podcast. Search for that and listen when it's most convenient. You might also want to check out Pastor Ed's podcast called Lead to Serve. That's Lead, the number two, Serve. Do you want to be used by God? I hope your answer is yes. And if so, you'll want to get a copy of Pastor Chuck Smith's book called The Man God Uses. It's our featured resource here in the month of March. Pastor Chuck reveals five essential components of prayer, the danger of the lukewarm gospel, and the secret to the apostle's boldness in the man God uses. He also underscores 14 characteristics to be found in the people God uses throughout the scriptures. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work. You'll be helping people all across the nation to become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Romans. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 